Hey, welcome to the 36 Questions Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm Anna. And we're a married couple. We are legally married. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) We did it with a piece of paper. And this is our Valentine's Day episode of 36 Questions. It is. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. It doesn't mean anything. It (laughs) could mean something to someone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Sorry. 36 Questions is based on a study by Arthur Aaron, a psychologist who wanted to find out how people become intimate. And he put together a series of specific questions to help them fall in love. Yes. Yeah, so in 1997, he got two strangers, put them in a room with the questions. And six months later, those two strangers were in love. And they invited everyone else from that study to their wedding. Yeah. So we are going to do this podcast until two strangers fall in love. And hopefully <laughs> invite us to their wedding. I just want you to know, listener, that every week we take two strangers, uh, we purposely you know, we might not even know them either. We just kind of pick their names from a hat and invite them over and let them ask each other the questions to see what happens. And this week we have Terry Tishfasio. And Will Mars. And they are two very accomplished people. Yeah, Will is a stand-up comedian from the UK and he is relatively well known. He just did the Apollo. Awesome. Terry is a consultant and she has done two TED Talks. She no, is- they're so great. So, what did you think of Terry and Will? Uh, They were both incredibly different. I thought Will had a very dry sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terry was just so thoughtful and insightful. And talking to her just motivates you to kind of like find your passion and do what you really are meant to do in life, which is such an interesting contrast of people to have definitely there was moments in this podcast where i got a little choked up listening to terry talk she really is very passionate and one thing i thought was very fascinating about both of them is they're both very successful people Mm -hmm. but they kind of go about it in totally 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 different ways ways. yeah they definitely have different energies i was kind of hoping that our valentine's day episode would be more lovey-dovey and perfect and people would fall in love but this kind of turned out to be the anti-valentine's day episode uh i I think they kind of they might be the first people who became more apart that came apart Hmm. more yeah i I can see that (laughs) (laughs) um but i i don't i don't think that that's the whole story I think that they definitely got to know each other. I do still True. feel that they got more intimate, and I would say that they are friends. All right. We will let the listener decide. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to certify that you guys are strangers who have never met before, except for a couple minutes ago. That's right. That's pretty, yep. Great. Well, thank you so much for doing this, you guys. Uh, go ahead and get started. Uh, I'm I don't know who has question one. She does. Oh, okay. Question one. Describe yourself in two minutes. Um, I'm a British guy. Um, Grew up in the UK. I did... I don't know. Who am I? I suppose that's the real question. I was about to reel off my resume. Um, I'm... I'm a single white British man living in America. That's pretty much it. I do stand-up comedy. I produce. I write. That's kind of what I've discovered I'm passionate about. It took me a while to get there. That's less than two minutes. Done. My name is Terry. I grew up in New Jersey, where I spent the first 20 years. Went to college in the Boston area. 
stayed there for about 20 years and I'm happily living in New York City. I am a uh, single professional <clears throat> woman with a background in writing and publishing and I run my own business as a branding pro. I kind of run my own boutique branding agency, essentially. And I work out of my house, which I love. And I don't eat gluten. And I don't know. Um, it's tricky, right? When someone says, like, who are you? Not just what have you done, but who. I also do stand-up comedy. I'm fairly new to that. And enjoy it. Enjoy it. Question two. Given the choice of anyone in the world, who would you want as a dinner guest? Before I answer it, I have to say this is my least favorite of all 36 questions because if I'm being honest with myself, I have one answer. And if I know I'm being recorded and broadcast and telling a stranger, I feel I have to say someone like Gandhi or Jesus or a president or something really formal so it shows my intellectual you know, prowess. But the fact is, right now, if I were going to have dinner with someone who's alive right this second, and I know that's not the rule. Um, I really think I'd want to have dinner with Rachel Maddow because I just love her so much. And I feel like there's a lot I want to learn and I can't get it in just an hour a day. So I kind of am obsessed with her. But if I'm being honest about the fantasy dinner, it's not who I'd invite to dinner, but who I want to be invited by. And I really have this crazy fantasy that will never happen because it's fictional that I would get to go to the Golden Girls kitchen for dinner. I love the Golden Girls so much. I've loved it since I was, uh, you know, a kid, and I still watch them now. I can't explain why I'm obsessed, but there's a fantasy I have of being able to walk into that kitchen and sit down and have cheesecake with them that is beyond blissful. Cool. Interesting. I, I don't know. I, I've always been fearful of meeting anyone that I like in terms of anyone that I like that I don't know, if you understand. Like, I've got people that inspire me comedically but I wouldn't want to have dinner with them um, quite honestly um, I'd probably just have dinner with my mother no. um, not f I didn't I didn't want to elicit that response from you uh, is she with us anymore yeah yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah. okay uh, I thought you were like alive. I wish I could have one more dinner with my no, mom no 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 it's nothing like that um, I I just want to have dinner with someone that knows me I'm not really interested in in this, this sounds wrong, but in strangers, like, I don't mean you and this. <laughs> Am I, though? Uh, no, it, it would be either my mother, one of my best friends. I just want to have dinner with someone I'm comfortable with that knows the worst of me so that I can be myself. I don't want to oh, be having dinner with someone where I've got to pretend to be someone I'm not. You don't want to have dinner with someone where you have to pretend to be someone you're not. And I don't want to claim I want to have dinner Mm. with someone I don't really want to. Mm. <laughs> it would make me so stressed out. Mm. And like they say, don't meet your heroes. You get disappointed, it ruins everything you thought about that person. See, I want to meet my heroes, but I only want to meet them professionally. Like, I've got comedic heroes, which I won't go into, but, uh, and I have bumped into them, but I, w I didn't say hello. Because I won't, not, I'd only say, want to say hello if I was on the same show. Right, I get that's, that. That's just my ego, I think. I get that. You don't want to be a fanboy. No. Right. I hate that role myself. Yeah, so my mother or my best friend or something. That's who I'd have dinner with. Question three. Would you like to be famous? And if so, in what way? 100% and in any way possible. <laughs> really? Why? Um, because I, 
I, I like it. I, the snippets I've had of it, um, I did a, a couple of little things in the last few years that have gotten me exposure on television. And when I've been recognised in the street, I really like that. Like, not because I'm some sort of reality star where they're like, oh, you were on TV, but it was, you were on TV and you did really good at that thing you care about. And here's the other thing. If if I did badly and someone said you were crap, I'd still like that. <laughs> because uh, I really quite like being put down. Like, I can't do roast comedy shows uh, because I'm brutal, but I don't care what anyone says about me. Really? Yeah. Well, then you have what it takes to be famous, apparently, I because it's the thin-skinned people who have a hard time with it, right? I don't know. I'll, I'll take that. But you well, know, I, yeah, I want fame because hopefully money comes with it, and I don't want to be a, a rich guy per se, but I'd like to not have to check my bank balance before I buy cheese, you know? That's, right. Good point. So uh, I know you're new to comedy, but... Um, Good luck with this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not paying life. my rent, certainly. Um, uh, uh, but um, uh, so, yeah, um, that's my answer. Over to you, I suppose. I, on the scale of z- zero being no one knows you at all to Kardashian level fame on the other end, um, I think the worst thing in the world would be to be famous and not have money. And the people who do, you feel bad for because they are continually chided and prodded and at risk of being manipulated and exploited. I would much rather go under the radar to a degree. And if I had to choose what kind of fame, I want to be known like you for the work I'm proud of, but among people who actually understand and, and connect with it as opposed to like, hey, like if you're a movie star, someone goes, don't I know you from somewhere where? And you have to play this annoying game. I would think that would be the worst because then you have to tell them where they know you from. For me, and I've had a small, small taste of it myself because I had a TED Talk that did well. And so when people reach out to me, they reach out to me, they go, oh my gosh, are you checking your own email? Like as if I'm super, please. I'm like, I'm sitting here in my underwear. I'm not doing anything. Of course, I'm checking my email. Uh, I want to be known and respected in the industries I'm in, not to be known by people whose company I wouldn't want to be in. Hmm. Uh, Question four. Before going to a social event or meeting, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say? And why? A social event or meeting? I would only rehearse if I knew I were presenting at that meeting. But if I'm going to meet people, no. I don't do that because I don't feel like I need to, especially maybe where I am at my age or whatever. I kind of know who I am and I know what I bring to the table and what I'm going to tell someone about. But if I were to go in with a rehearsed thing, people know when you're being given a rehearsed thing. And so I much rather kind of wing it when it comes to social and, and meeting events. I think anytime I've tried to plan a thing, it has been, it, it doesn't come off quite right. And it feels rehearsed to me. So I think that the magic of any kind of human interaction, whether it's a professional meeting or if it's a party, whatever, is going to come out of the roots of that actual event. Like it'll happen in the moment. It's like improv. It's all improv. Hmm. I don't go in with a set to a party. It's a bad idea. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't see these as the same thing. Social event or meeting. They're so they're two different, completely different things. I mean, if I wouldn't take anything to a social event, like any sort of plan at all, um, because I wouldn't go to one where I felt I'd need one. Right. Because if someone said, "Oh, it's a social event for networking," would never go. Not interested. I would never do a, any sort of social event to move my career forward. Not interested in that. That's the worst thing in the world for me. I'd rather stay at home. 
Um, but meeting, if I was going somewhere that was official to discuss something, then 100% I'd always have a rehearsal. I'd probably have, there's no probably about it, I would definitely have a notepad with checklist of things I have to talk about and I would pull it out in front of them and say, this is my meeting? list. Yeah, oh. Even if it was just yeah, like a chat things. with a producer or something about a project, I would, yeah, I'd definitely rehearse certain things I was going to say and I'd definitely have a checklist to make sure I didn't forget anything I rehearsed either. I'm quite a control freak like that. Yeah, I actually agree. They are different things. If I'm going in to meet with a client about what uh, maybe what they might want to buy yeah. of mine or invest in me, yeah, there's yes. got to be some prep for sure. That's right. It's weird that those two things are mixed up. Yeah. Look at us agreeing. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> what? I said, look at us agreeing. We're already friends. <laughs> Question five, what would constitute a perfect day for you? I don't know. Um, the perfect day. Um, I suppose it would just be one where I wipe out the to-do list on my planner and maybe some good news comes in. I, I don't really have any lofty ambitions for a single day. And I'm not going to sit there saying, oh... I want to go on the beach and have dinner with such and such and do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like n no fantasy stuff. I, I don't, I don't believe, I like my life as it is. So there's, there is no fantasy day. Um, so yeah, generally getting to the end of the day because every single, every single day I've got an online planner that has a list of stuff that has to be done. If I don't have to pass everything, anything over to the next day, then that's a result. And if, if I get, I don't know, just a positive email about something I've been chasing up comes in, mm. then that's probably a good day for me. That's as much as I want out of most days. I agree with you. Productivity, getting things done and feeling that the day was worthwhile is the most important. I think for an ideal day for me, it would be that I wake up feeling rested, first of all, because it's like, if you start tired, you're, you're losing from the start. I like to get up, I have my own place, I like to make my little bulletproof coffee, and, and sit and get and do some work before the rest of the day kicks in. I want to get a bunch of stuff done before 10 or 11 a.m. so that I can take a breather and not feel like I'm racing to chase the day. Mm. But same thing. And I would love, yes, of course, to, to hear from someone I hadn't heard from in a while or to meet someone for coffee. I, I like to break up the day a little bit. Maybe go for a run or, or take a yoga class. Something physical would have to be part of the day. And a little bit of it, something unexpected. That's always kind of a fun thing. I like to know that I didn't know everything and that somehow the day was able to surprise me, even though I had it planned to the nth degree. I'd like to know that there's still potential for something to surprise me. That would make for an even better than normal day. Hmm. Okay, question six. Uh, when did you last sing to yourself or to somebody else or someone else, as it says? Sing. I'm not really a singer, and I don't... Okay, when I sing, it's usually when I'm driving. And I don't drive much because I live in New York City, and I don't have a car. But when I do grow up to go to visit my family in Massachusetts, I'll borrow my dad, one of my dad's cars. And in the car, that's when I enjoy singing. But I don't really sing anywhere else, and I certainly don't sing for people. No one is looking for me to do that. No one. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you mean you, you can't sing. I guess I could, but I find I feel more vulnerable singing than 
anything else. I could mm. do any kind of public speaking if you were like, you can either sing or you can do this talk naked. Like I would still do the talk naked. I would rather be in control. I don't feel in control of the singing because I don't know how to use that muscle. Mm. I don't know how to do it. And I feel like it's really easy to bomb. Hmm. Last time I sung was yesterday in CVS. Yeah, with one of my friends. Um, we got this. Uh, we got this thing we do to wind each other up, called like the butt dance. We mm-hmm. just we just like shake our hips to embarrass the other one in public, <laughs> and we'll, we'll sing. It's the butt dance. It's the anyway, whatever. It's just a ridiculous thing that me and a friend do. Um, we did it yesterday before bagels for lunch uh, in CVS. Just yeah. And, and who embarrasses who more? Well, that's the thing. Sometimes it just depends. It's moods, but we were both in a weird mood yesterday, so neither of us were embarrassed, but I'm sure people around us were. <laughs> um, yeah, yesterday. I can't sing. Not not in the... Not in any sort of professional way, obviously. But Could you sing the butt dance song for us right now? No, there, there is no butt dance song. It's just me... <laughs> it's, it's just me repeating that phrase in a... As much as a single way as I think you have to see it. I think it's more of the physicality. Not happening in this room. Uh, <laughs> but when you least expect it, if I ever see you in public. Oh, please. I'd love to butt dance somewhere in public, for sure. I, no, it's just a ridiculous thing with a friend. But like in terms of singing like a full song or anything, I don't think I've done that for ages. Maybe at karaoke. Um, I don't drink that much, so... I don't sing that so often. The incidents uh, of chance. You know, at karaoke, yeah. Right. I mean, I would if I'm on the spot. I don't care really, but I, I don't go looking for opportunity. I'd prefer to do something like I just discussed a minute ago, like something stupid with a friend. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Question seven. You will live until 90, but must choose either the mind or body of a 30 year old for the last 60 years. Which do you choose? The mind of a 30-year-old or the body of a 30-year-old? Uh, well, de- I definitely want to keep my 30-year-old body. My mind, I think, was pretty okay at 30. If you just said 20, I might have had a a bit more of a a problem answering that question. But at 30, mm. no, no, I think I was pretty much where I am now at 30. And so, yeah, 100%, I'd, I'll keep the body of a 30 year old and that would not be a negative thing um yeah that would be good i agree i think it's such an easy question to answer because what do you have in your mind at 30 that you wouldn't be able to have i feel like the one thing that goes to crap as you age is your physical state everything gets better your stress levels go down as you age your wisdom goes up your ability to be resilient to stress goes up everything gets better I don't want to be at 30. I get better every year mentally. I certainly don't want to revert to a state of ignorance I was at 30. No thanks. I would absolutely keep the body myself. Hmm. Question eight. Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? (laughs) (laughs) I secretly know I owe some money to a Russian ambassador. No, I don't. Uh, I actually have thought about this fairly regularly wonder about it once in a while you get a flash and you think look there's only one sure thing is that it it ends has to end somehow and so when i think about it i always flash back to the one of my favorite shows of all time six feet under and where you see how every every show opens with someone's life ending and at the end of the whole series you see how they all go and i always identified with the main character insofar as i imagine i'll die an old lady in a bed somewhere 
with, you know, hopefully some people around. <laughs> hopefully some people around to, to see me through. But uh, I can't imagine that I would die in some horrific, cataclysmic, uh, terrifying thing. I mean, uh, who isn't afraid of that? And I think even laying warm in a bed, death is going to be a, a kind of terrifying thing. But pretty much everyone I don't know died that way <laughs> in my life, except for a few. But I actually know I'm going to live till my 80s anyway, because a psychic told me once, she said, do you want to know when you're going to die? And I said, do you know? And don't tell me if it's tomorrow. And she said, no, no, I say this because you have a long time to go. And I was like, all right. And she said, it's either 78 or 82. I was like, great, you just made for a really scary 78th birthday for me. Because like, I'm going to be stressed for those few hours. But yeah, so such, such all-knowing and yet so lame. And I know. What are those few years in between going to be? But um, no, I figure I'll just slip away at some point. Hunch for me. I don't, I don't overly think about dying. Um, but... Uh, when I do, I think I just think about what other family members have died of, which which would most likely um, affect me. Because my only older living relatives, my mother, um, my father died of like a, an accident uh, in his fifties. So I don't know what he would have died of naturally. Uh, I, I will add this: he was an asshole. So uh, there's no, there's, <laughs> doesn't matter that he's gone. I don't even know where the guy's buried, right? But it's. Um, my mother was my mother and father, basically. But um, I don't know what he would have died of, naturally. His, his father died of a heart attack. He was massively overweight. I don't think I'm going to go that way, so that's mm. cool. His mother died of some sort of lung thing because she smoked all her life. I don't do that, so I like to think that wouldn't happen. However, on my mother's side, that's where the illnesses really are. Uh, there's... There's cancer and Parkinson's and arthritis and all sorts of horrible little things and, and big things that side. I, I genuinely think, I'm hoping it's not, but I think it's probably going to be some sort of cancer or something mm. like that. That'll, That'll get us all me. in the end. I just, I just hope it gets me in the first round and, it, and it's, it's not like the fifth bout when I'm 90. I hope it's like the first bout when I'm 90. Right, because you don't want that long, I, you know, you know, long decline. The one thing I, I wonder about with death, and I know this goes away from the question a little bit, but is I don't know whether it's best to know or not. You know, cause some people would probably think it's better to die of something like cancer because there's a lag time where you're able to do things and say goodbyes and do those things and, you know, leave messages and all that sort of stuff people get obsessed with, whereas some people would prefer to get hit with a truck done i don't know what i'd prefer as long as it's after a special uh on hbo <laughs> that i'm proud of <laughs> i think that the sudden death is not might be easy for you or me but it's just horrible for the people who are left behind it's just such a shocker it's hard enough to lose someone but to not have it be expected is terrible <clears throat> question nine name two things you and your partner appear to have in common that would be me and you. <laughs> Two things. Two things. I don't know if I can name one yet. Um, maybe that, from what I've seen, uh, what I've heard so far, you seem to be quite a planner. Maybe I wouldn't use the phrase control freak as such. I, I'd, oh, I I'd use that for me, <laughs> but maybe along those lines. Um, uh, so there's that. Um, 
I don't know whether that's a good thing to have in common with anyone because uh, I don't know whether it's a good thing that I have that. Um, because although I always get things done and everything, I I think it gives me a headache that I don't need to have sometimes. Some of my more lackadaisical friends seem to be a lot happier than me. Uh, um, the second thing I think, um, well, I think comedy. You said you kind of... I don't know how what you mean by new, but you've embarked on comedy, and that's obviously something I'm passionate about. So that's something, yeah, we have in common. Uh, now I've named those two. It's going to be a struggle because you've got to do the no same. No one said I couldn't name them. <laughs> no one said I couldn't repeat them. Uh, can I? Or no? They have to be two different things. Doesn't matter. Yes, one of them would be that, and I'll take a little twist on it that we both find pleasure in the snark and in the humor and taking an edge against what other people like. I can tell that we have both have that a little bit of that in common. The second thing is we like our lives as they are, and we're not in a hurry to change them for anyone, and we're not in a hurry to accommodate people who don't have anything in common. We're not in a hurry to accommodate people whose goals we don't share. Mm. We're both over 30 is a way of summing that up, I think. <laughs> Wait, why? Do you think people I think over 30 most people over about that age if they are If like, they are this single. This is who I am. I think. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot, lot, but maybe I'll just speak for what I know here, but a lot of pleasers still spend their lives trying to please other people. And I am not really doing that. I've Hmm. worked hard to not let myself get into a place where I have to make, that my life means making other people happy. Hmm. I think that's a mistake, especially a lot of women fall prey to, that eats their lives, eats, eats their lives whole. Me again. Here we go. I should I should audition to be quizmaster on the show. I'm so bad at this. Um, question ten. Uh, for what in your life do you feel most grateful? I am most grateful for my relationships. The relationships I have in my life, all of them, family, friends. I feel like you can have money one day and not have money the next day. Have people want to hire you one day? Maybe not the next. But when you have a support network, things can't ever get that bad. Like I'd have a lot of couches to wear out before I ended up on the street. And I feel like that more than anything. Like, yes, I'm proud that I've been able to make a living for myself, but I would be nowhere without the relationships. And I'm grateful for them, but not grateful like they fell out of the sky in my lap. I've worked hard to maintain them and I'm grateful that they're there. I could have gone along similar lines, but I'll choose something else. I think probably most grateful is, to be fair, it's an accident. Um, I, I'm probably most grateful that I haven't had children. Um, because I could have had, by you know, a myriad of mistakes in my earlier life. Um, well, not mistakes, just, you know. I've got friends that have kids that weren't planned. You know? I could, that could have happened to me. Um, just as easily as it did to them and I don't know you know whichever girl I may have been with at the time whether they would have wanted a child despite me not wanting one because it's going to be their choice at the end of the day despite my opinion and so yeah because although I don't have any I don't have any problem with children in general as such um, but I I don't think I'd have been able to follow what I wanted to do in my life at this stage uh, if I'd have had kids. Uh, well, for one, because I'd either be financially supporting them or or guilty that I wasn't. You know, so I think maybe that's been a 
without it's not been planned but I think that's a good thing yeah yeah that's a really good one question 11 if you could change anything about the way you were raised what would it be it's a hard one um because I don't I genuinely don't know if there is anything uh, again, it was, it was like that question we had earlier. If you if you were to ask me this question when I was younger, I would probably add a load of <laughs> examples. <laughs> but now, now I'm at this age, I'm like... Because when I was a kid, I used to think, ah, oh, I'm missing out. Like, my, my, my mother's raising us. Everyone else, they go on better holidays. They have better things because like, there's, there's two incomes in their families and stuff. And... And so I would have probably thought about that when I was younger and, I don't know, maybe not thinking it through. Um, but to be honest, I genuinely think I'm better off having been raised just by my mother. Um, although most of society doesn't think that's a thing. I was a terrible kid and teenager. I think part of that's because I didn't have a strong man. I don't mean strong as in, I mean physically. Like my mother couldn't. Once I got to a teenage, my mother couldn't physically shut me down as a boisterous kid. A father may have been able to. I probably would have been... I don't, I don't know whether... Is it right or wrong to say this? Do I really care whether it is right or wrong? I might have been more scared of a male figure that was older than me, that was disciplining me, than I was of my mother. But you wouldn't she change that. She wasn't intimidating. You wouldn't and change that? No, I'm glad that I was a horrible kid. And Why? I'm glad that I was a horrible teenager because I did awful stuff. And me and my mother had a horrible relationship in my early teens. But now we're best friends, and I think that's partly because of that. Or is it despite it? Either or. Um, I think... I, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't regret a thing. I don't think I can give you a thing. I don't think there's a, a, a single thing that I would change. I agree. I, there is nothing I would change about how I was raised, where, by whom... Any of that. I know that my parents were especially mindful of everything that was happening. Like, my mom went beyond, beyond. Um, And so I don't, there's nothing I blame her for. If I could go back and change something that I was comfortable with or did more, I mean, you couldn't make it, you can't make a kid do things. Just like I can't go back in time and make you be a better kid, right? But I do wish I had someone who had... um, or if I were more open to understanding how money works earlier. Because I was raised in very comfortable upper middle class lifestyle. My dad was a doctor, made a very good living. My mother handled all the billing and they were you know, working hard to be able to pay for top notch education. I'm incredibly grateful for that too. But I didn't have to worry about money and so I didn't really understand it. And I wish that I could go back and have a better sense of being in control of it. Cause even now I'm like, I don't really get it. I don't know, just make more, I'll just make more. And I do wish I had a better sense of you know like not just budgeting but just getting it but i get intimidated by it and i really wish that i weren't no i'm I'm not i'm not sure it was too different for me though even though my mother was one income and probably way less than the doctor brought home but as a kid i was unaware of it too yeah because i know i only know in now that how poor we probably were. Oh, you weren't. But at the time, I didn't know. Like, I mean, obviously, there's like I said earlier about Christmas and stuff. Like, you'd notice that certain people had more things, mm-hmm. but it didn't ruin my Christmas. It didn't. I wasn't aware of why that was different, money-wise. I just knew there was a gift miss. Mm-hmm. Does that 
Yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll digress. Let's I mean, what on. kid is like really tuned into that stuff? They're not. Yeah. I just wish that somehow earlier on I'd gotten a sense of it. Yeah. I think my mom tried. I remember I was going off to college and she's like, this is a bank checkbook. This is how you do this. And I, I think she couldn't have tried harder. I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to. Uh, I just tuned out of it. But there's some fear at the root of that that I wish had been addressed and I don't know who could have done that. Hmm. You're up, Quizmaster. <laughs> Maybe I pause so that you could say that. <laughs> Question 12. Uh, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? This is hardly the stuff of superheroes or flying or seeing through walls. I really, really wish that I could ride in a cab without wanting to vomit. With a, I wish I could get on a plane without taking... Uh, you know, a travel medicine. I am so, so motion sick. I get so incredibly motion sick, which triggers panic for me, that I am very limited to what I will try and do. Because the idea of being somewhere where I'm out of control and things are moving and I'm going to feel sick is absolutely paralyzing for me. And I, I have managed it. I, I went on a cruise once, like a, a really nice cruise, and I made sure I took the medicine the whole time. But one time I felt so good I forgot to take it, and then I was, then I got nauseous. And I hate that I'm at the mercy of my body like that. I wish I could just have never motion sickness again, and my life would be maybe different. Then I'd probably die in a hang gliding accident. You know, I'm very <laughs> safe because of that motion sickness. But I just wish I could get in a cab. I'll walk so far to avoid a cab because I am so nauseated by them. It's a New York-induced yearning. I don't... I cannot relate to that. I've never had any sort of... Even slight... It's something in your brain. Why yeah. can't they go in an operation and tweak that thing in my inner ear so I don't have that problem again? Why doesn't someone invent that? Mm. It doesn't even have to be covered by insurance. I'll pay for it. Mm. Just stay home. <laughs> That's exactly... You work from there anyway. Get, yes. get your groceries delivered. Problem exactly. solved. Don't do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Phone them in. Um, um, one quality or ability do you know I I live and breathe stand up right and like there's very few things that won't come back to that in terms of like abilities and stuff like the one thing I probably wish I could do just to get those extra free laughs out of routines is voices that's an ability I, I wish I was able to mimic and do accents and but um, that's something you can learn uh, I've, I've, I've tried. I've tried. I probably could, but it, it just doesn't come very. Not, it, it's very difficult for me to even do a, a bad impression of anything. I just think that's something that that's that's a weakness in my stand-up. That means that I have to try harder in other areas to mm -hmm. to get the laughs from like the writing and stuff, um, which isn't a problem. But yeah. Friends of mine that can do that, I think, oh, God, I wish I could add that voice in there or do this bit on that bit. And, yeah, that's something that, yeah, I wish I could nail um, mm -hmm. more easily. That's, that's an ability I'd like. Aside from that, in real life, off stage, I don't know. I've got plenty of negatives, but they don't bother me too much. Again, the gift of aging. <laughs> Question 13. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you want to know? I, I hate questions like this because they're just not real. They're um, the worst. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what I'd want to know. There are lots of things I'd want to know, but is it healthy to know them? Exactly. That's, that's the exactly. question. And again, it's going to come back to comedy. It'd be... 
where am I best to be for the most success geographically? That's the question. That would probably be a question. Uh, As in, am I barking up the wrong tree being in America or should I have stuck in Europe or should I go to Australia or should I be a maverick in Asia or or wherever? Should I be in one of these markets? But you're Uh, a man of the world. You already are in multiple markets. No, but what I mean is where should I live and concentrate on for the best result in terms of being... Doing bigger shows, being on more television stuff, and mm-hmm. I'd, that's a question I'd be like, oh, where should, where would, where would I, where would I get the most success? But would I really ask it? I'm not sure I would, because I think that would send I me know. mad. I know. I don't think it's good to know. I genuinely, I'm sorry to, I'm going to go off here, but um, I'm not sorry. Why do I always apologise? Um, You're British. I yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's. I genuinely believe that what is meant to happen is going to happen. And I'm not sure that I need to know. Still be tempting if someone could kind of tell you what would you might want to know. I mean, that's why, look, I've been to a psychic before. Why? Just curious what they see that I don't see. I just believe if I work as hard as I can and I'm as dedicated as I can be, then I'll get the best results. So maybe I don't need to know that because I'll get to see it anyway. You will. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't like the question. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't have to like the yeah. question. You just have to answer it. And you did. Yeah. Good for go. you. Uh, I will say that if someone really said, okay, this is your chance to know, rather than saying like, will I, <laughs> rather than saying, you know, will I, publish the book finally or will I be successful in this if someone says yes then I go great I'm afraid I wouldn't make the effort as hard like I think the question I would ask would be what will I regret not doing the most if I don't do it now because and if if the master of the crystal ball said you're going to regret this if you don't do it then I'll do that because I could do a lot of things I think that's hard being being someone, I think we're both creatives. We both look at lots of different projects, things we could do, write, whatever. Uh, but do you not in- instinctively know what you'd regret the most? Do, do you really need to ask a crystal ball that? Wouldn't you know in your own head what you'd probably regret the most? I don't know, because at this point, there's nothing I really regret about my life so far. Mm. So you've so- made the choices, correct choices, without a crystal ball. Look, it's a question. We didn't say I really needed to ask the crystal ball. I'm firing more at but you because right. I hate the question, so I want to make it difficult. Okay, <laughs> I like that. It. I appreciate that. I guess uh, that is the thing I'm afraid of, though. That That's just pinpointed on the fear is that I feel like I work like you do, like end to end of the day, everything I can possibly get done and do and make the most of. And what if I do everything and nothing comes of it or I regret something? You can't live that way. You can't live looking back that way. So we should just skip the crystal ball altogether. Question 14. Is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time and why haven't you done it? Let me ask my crystal ball real quick about that one. (laughs) Oh, yes. It bothers me no end that I have not finished and published my own book because I identify as a writer first. And I'm a very good writer. I've spent my whole life doing it. And... I'm not spending my time on the wrong things, but I 
no one pays me a paycheck regularly. I have to hustle for every bit that I get. And so I've put a lot of time into creating what I know will do well for me, which is consulting and online courses. And that takes up the lion's share of your creative effort. And so I have keep putting the book that I'm working on on the back burner, like this lover that keeps getting forsaken and is sitting there being like, why don't you pay attention to me? I thought you loved me. I do, I do, I'll get there. And it bothers me that I haven't yet. Hmm. Because everyone I know has a damn book and I, there's no reason I can't. And it, it bothers me. Some of those books have probably been self-published though. Exactly. So who cares? <laughs> no, they haven't all been, but still. Oh, man. There's plenty of stuff I dream of doing. But it's all in process. So there's nothing, there's nothing I'm putting on the back burner. And the things that I really want to do, I am working towards anyway. I'm not... I'm not I'm not saying I wake up every morning at 6 a.m. and I'm focused until midnight and, and I'm working hard because there are only so many things you can do in a day for the goals that I've got. Um, it's, stand-up's not about how many hours. It's about working cleverly and knowing when, where the steps are in order to progress to, I don't know, that TV spot or getting on that festival or being seen by this person. It's not something where 12 hours a day will suddenly get you that scene. It's, a, right. it's about using that, I don't know, going for, that, going for that gig that might get you seen by someone that knows that person. I don't know, it's just working clever rather than working hard. And, but everything that I want to achieve, I feel like I'm kind of inching along. So there really isn't anything um, that I haven't done that I'm not... Uh, how do I say this? Yeah, I'm working on it. So, the, it. yeah. <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. Good, then you'll have no trouble answering this question. Mm. Question 15. What is the greatest accomplishment of your life? I don't know about this um, because there's always going to be two areas and that is like your personal life accomplishments and then your, I don't know, your career, your sort of work life accomplishments and I don't know which I should put as highest in my mind right now. Like if it was my best accomplishment on my personal life would probably be the fact that I've maintained a really good relationship with my mother. You know, it comes back to that, you know, because a lot of my friends and stuff that I know haven't had great relationships with their parents. Um, No, I I like that I maintain that. I think that's healthy. But then on a a work level, um, I don't like to use the word work, I don't know why I said that, but on a stand-up level, um, it was probably doing showtime at the Apollo in December um, because I, like, I've always wanted to do stand up like my American heroes and to go out onto that stage which Richard Pryor played which is one of those heroes um, and especially as a as a huge venue um, and being the token white guy on the show, uh, I liked all those things. That was the, uh, that was something that made me very happy, um, okay. career-wise, to do that. It meant more to me than playing the Apollo in the UK because we have our own TV show called The Apollo, or Live at the Apollo. 
So yeah, I think career-wise, that would be my most proudest achievement so far. I would say uh, up until a year ago that my biggest achievement has been um, going out on my own and being able to support myself without a full-time role. And I, I used to be a magazine editor at Martha Stewart, and I was kind of done with it, but I didn't really feel I could walk away from a full-time job when I was trying to live in Manhattan. And then I got laid off, and I was like, well, I can go get in line at unemployment. I can panic. I can go get another job, the same kind of job I just had, or I just reinvent this stuff and just start fresh and like look at my bag of tricks and figure out who needs it and who values it the most. And I did it. And I, the fact that I can still live here, sometimes I don't know how I do it, but the fact that I can still live here on my own, have my own place in a lovely neighborhood in Manhattan where I always wanted to live is certainly the biggest achievement, but it's not a one thing. It keeps going. And the day I can't afford anymore, that achievement ends, right? Uh, but if there's a crowning achievement, people go, oh, you did this. The thing that people point to is that TED Talk, which was just one talk. I've given lots of talks, but that one, for some reason, got attention. And to think that, that now almost 2 million people connected with that message is such um, uh, reassuring to me that some of my ideas are worth listening to and that gives you the courage to keep going question 16 uh, what do you value most in a friendship what I value most in a friendship is the kind of friendship that continues over not just years but like maybe even decades where it's one ongoing conversation friends who come in and go out and then nowhere and then they're like why don't we talk anymore that's a lot of high maintenance i've weeded those out i don't maintain the ones that are a drag and the ones that are real friendships of course the honesty trust we could throw every word at it and of course those things matter or you wouldn't have a friendship but it's the ones who can just keep picking up on the conversation as you go sometimes you talk every day for a couple of days sometimes you don't talk for a month and you just keep picking it up those people who are with you for the ride are the ones who are in the long haul not the ones who are on the side going why haven't you called me why aren't we doing this and uh, like i need i need those people i don't have any time for hmm. i don't have many friends that's been a conscious thing. On purpose. Uh, a lot of people that think I'm their friend. There's no need to tell them they're not. Right. You know? Um, I've got four friends. Two guys and two ex-girlfriends. Um, that, uh, Yeah, they're the only people. And I think the, the thing that is probably most... The thing that all of those people have are, is that they all... They all ignore the worst of me, and because there's a lot of, like I'm, I have a lot of negative about me. I can be an awful person, and like because I speak my mind even when I shouldn't, and that can be bad. I I have, I'm that sort of person in the store that I don't I don't believe in building up anger, for instance, to have a breakdown when I'm fifty. You know, like if if I'm if I have an issue in the moment, I'll scream about that issue in the moment. I can be that person. Um, and all of my friends would be like, oh, this is just Will. People that don't know me are just like, who's that dick? That, that's the most valuable so thing. Value in the so, well, they, is, is they sorry. That they ignore. That you're saying that the, friend, no, the value no, of the friends Not that they ignore, they just accept that that's who I am because, you know, <laughs> as, much as, I, as much as I hear people say certain things about me are negatives, I am never going to change it because I like my negatives. Um, and... I don't see them that way. And yeah, and neither, 
and they don't point it out. That's important to me, or I can't be friends with them. Question 17, what is your most treasured memory? I just, when you ask me that, I'm just picturing like someone at home wrapped up in the cold in, a, in, a, in their duvet, just thinking <laughs> of memories. I'm just like, what the hell do you think I am? Uh, just, I don't know. I don't, I don't dwell on memories as such. You know, I, I just... I, what was treasured memory? I don't know. Um... Listen to that silence. I, I, like, I hate that. We're recording the podcast and I, I, <laughs> I've got to talk now because I, I just know how painful those silences are. <laughs> I, I, I cut them out. Uh, so yeah. when you're... When See, you're... I'm a lazy editor. I would never cut out the silence. <laughs> so I don't allow them to happen. Uh, <laughs> um, so if your life is flashing before your eyes and you're like, oh, was there anything good about my life? Something's flashing up. I'm no, assuming. I'd just be like, why can't I have tomorrow? There was other things I wanted to do. Things were... No, there... Uh, I can't answer that question properly because I don't think there is a treasured memory as such. Like, there's loads of memories that are good, but I never think about that. I'm just. You know why I hate this question too is the word treasured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, so precious. Your grandma would it's say. so precious, yeah. and it like reminds me of like precious memories, like that gift store in the mall, and it's like everything's <laughs> crystal picture frames, and like treasured memory feels like something I don't say. Yeah. And I don't think of my life that way, but. When I look back and go, okay, what do what is, what's a touchstone that if I feel down or I think, oh, the world is forsaken me, blah blah blah. Look, I picked up the questions before I came here. I am a control freak, so I already had one stowed away that I knew I wanted to tell you, and it's not when I. Just oh, you dug know up. about these questions, dude? You I cheat. listened to this before. <laughs> I did my homework. I'm a planner. What can I tell you? Uh, here's a memory. Ten years ago, I got really really sick. I had a, it's called acute sepsis. Do you want to bring your script out? No, I have it memorized. Yeah. Uh, I got really oh, sick. So you do plan for meetings. I do. It's true. I lied about the other one. I completely, it's true. I 100% lied. God, man. No, I didn't lie. I just didn't realize this, how this absolutely This podcast is over. Uh, <laughs> you think I made this story up? Do you want to hear my treasured memory or not? No. Yeah, okay. I do. Okay. Look, they want to hear it, so you do whatever you want. Go get some more coffee. Uh... I was very sick in the hospital. Like, they don't even know why. It's a thing you almost die. You get bacteria in your blood, and it just was horrible, horrible thing. And I'm in the hospital. I was in ICU for a few days, not even conscious. And when I finally woke up, I'm sitting there in the hospital room, and I'm like, what's going on? And it was just a miserable thing. And then that first conscious day, my mother had come down. I wasn't even in where I lived. I was in another city because I was there for work. And my, one of my sisters and my mother came, and they're taking care of me. And they're like, okay, we'll see you tomorrow. And they're leaving, and I'm just sitting there like, beep, beep, like the machines around me just feeling like, this is horrible. And two seconds after they leave, my sister comes back in, and she says, you know what, I'm going to stay. And she's my littlest sister. I'm very close to both my sisters, but she's the one I don't talk to as much. I don't keep up with as much. And she's the one who came, and she said, I'm going to stay. And she sat on that little horrible couch or chair, whatever was in that room, and she stayed with me for the week, and she never left. And she just sat there. She showered when I showered. She washed my hair. And uh, I had never been physically incapacitated like that. And um, that was incredibly moving because she and I have fought a lot. And to think that she would stay, knowing I didn't really want to be there alone, was is if something's going to be treasured for me, that is it. Mm. I like that. Thank you.
still don't have one. That's all right. Moving on. <laughs> Question 19. Uh, that was, sorry, it's your turn. Question yeah. 18, sorry. That's what I mean. You know what's coming next and you're still getting it wrong. Yep. Uh, I don't mean to I do mean to be evil but I'm just it is partly jest you know that yeah yeah I kind of get a beat on you already Uh, question 18 what is your most terrible memory I wonder what this is bring out the notes (laughs) (laughs) I would say that time when I was when I was so sick I felt like I was going to die but I feel like we've already talked about that so I'll tell you something else it's terrible um thing was when I was in first grade and I I remember feeling very nauseous and sick and my mom's like you're fine you're fine eat your oatmeal go to school and I was sitting there in the morning and feeling like not well and instead of running out of the room and going to the bathroom like a person would I raised my hand and raised my hand and she didn't call on me and I just booted all over myself the desk the kid in front of me my new math book embarrassed myself publicly (laughs) like was terrible I felt terrible now everyone was disgusted by me it was a horrible thing (laughs) and I never quite recovered because I have a terrible fear of throwing up and uh, losing control and what will happen if I throw up and people will think things of me and it was like that was a first grader with the flu no big deal but it had a big impact like I am in a panic if I have to be sick and that's part I know that has to be part of it any psychologist worth of salt would say that, right? And me. Um, my, my most terrible memory, I'll, I'll try and do one here. I, I, um, again, it's not something I think back to that much. and It doesn't keep me awake at night. Um, I, I am not close to many people. Um, like I, I'm not close to my brother, my sister. Uh, they think they are to me, but I don't really care. Um, um, my mother care about a lot. I've mentioned her like five times already. My dog that I'm no longer living with because he can't come here because he's a French bulldog that's had lots of operations and so insurance and everything is a nightmare. He lives with my mother now, so they're both there, and it's to do with him. I think when I first got him, one of his, he was born unknown to anyone with a um i think they call it an aortic hernia it's where it's like your your stomach is in your chest cavity in your heart cavity uh something like that i'm no doctor um ask your father um, <laughs> um but w- he was being sick all the time but me and my girlfriend at the time we went to mexico cancun on a on a trip and we got phoned by my called by my mother saying that he'd kind of just passed out and so you've got like a nine month old dog um that has to have a operation like i think i think he was under for like six hours we couldn't get back in time and i think probably the worst memory for me and i know this is ridiculous to some people to hear um but um was just sat there in a beach resort thinking i left the dog to go on holiday and if that dog dies, all he'll remember is that I left. And I didn't like that idea. That thought in my head made me very uncomfortable. And like, I was like, if he's going to die, I want him to die the day after I get back. So at least he know I didn't leave. Even though that's probably not a thing for dogs. I, don't, I have no idea, but that bothered me. That's probably, a, that's a bad memory. Is he still around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's seven now. They're still having operations on the insurance all the time. They just won't cover him to come to America. And I can't afford two policies. Oh, my God, no. 
So do dogs in the UK also have universal health care? Well, dogs don't know. Um, do you know, it's actually more expensive for me to get private health care in the UK than it is to get uh, the dog private health care. Does that... Uh, yeah, that, no, it's more expensive for the dog to get covered than me. That's right. That's how it is. Yeah, I can get univers. I can get private healthcare for like forty pounds, like fifty bucks a month, but my dog costs more than that. But it's to do with supply and demand. Because we can get free healthcare, then the private companies need to be really competitive. But because dogs don't, then they can wrap. Not the price, you know, like healthcare here, you know. That's why I don't have healthcare I here. <laughs> Whereas I prefer just to risk it. Oh, God. I can just fly to Canada. Just get me to Canada if anything goes wrong. It's Commonwealth country, I'll be cool. <laughs> if this podcast ends early, it's because we have a plan. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, am I not performing? Because I've got like about $10 million worth of cover on my equity uh, membership. But I have to be working for that to kick in. So does this work? Sure. Let's agree a $10 fee and then I'm covered. <laughs> this is. Question 19. If you knew that in one year you would die suddenly, would you change anything about the way you're now living and why? What a segue. So this comes back to that question I know. I already know about what knowing say. whether, like, is, is knowing that... It, one thing I wouldn't do is use that death to try and propel me forward I wouldn't tell any bookers I've seen I know and I don't care what anyone thinks of this I know of comics that have died and they've used that to get gigs I feel uncomfortable with that um, they've used that to get gigs they would not have normally got on their ability purely because they're, they're okay. dying using it as a pity thing well, I don't know if they intentionally use it as a pity thing but they're using it as a tool to well, get, it's a deadline because they certainly can't go on the yeah. show afterwards. And, and then the book is going to give them that show because, like, I, I remember someone dying in the UK a couple of years ago, and I remember seeing that person's name pop up on posters and stuff, and I was like, "How is that person getting this gig? He's not that good." He's like, dying. How is it getting? And then, like, literally a few months later, I realised that that person had died, and 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 I'm just like, "Oh, that's how that that happened." You see, I understand why they do that, but I could never do that. Because it's cheating. Mm -hmm. You can't use death to get booked on a gig you don't have the ability to do. What else I about I really it? disagree with that. And so although it, knowing I was going to die in a year would make me want to do those gigs and work harder to get those gigs quicker, I wouldn't use it as a cheat. I would not tell anyone, but I would probably become, if, if it's possible, even more focused. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. I don't like, think I'd spend. An, yeah, Is there I something you'd give up? I don't think yeah. I'd spend a night in the house instead of going and doing that FaceTime at the club I wanted to get in at. But I'd still try and get it legitimately. Mm -hmm. I'd rather never do it and die having not done it than cheat, which is what those people did mm -hmm. in my eyes. Yeah. I, I woke up a bit there for that one. <laughs> wow, you really perked that, up. That engaged me. <laughs> Well, because, well, the question is, would you change anything about what you're doing? And so if some people are like, oh, I wouldn't drink as much, or I wouldn't watch, waste so much time watching TV, I feel like, I don't think there's anything I would change. 
I really don't because I'm so careful about how I spend my time and who I spend it with and how engaged in it I am or how much of myself I'm putting into it that if someone's like, well, guess what? A year from now, you're going to be dead. I imagine I would maybe write faster. I mean, I don't know what I would do because the truth is if I'm trying to build up a living and a business so that I can live longer, if I wouldn't need as much money, maybe I would stop working as hard and I might spend more time on the writing because I literally know I won't need the money for as long as I think I'll need it. That would be the only change. Cancel those overpriced healthcare payments. Yeah, right, exactly. I'd be like, I guess I'm done with this insurance. Question 20. Um, Beyond what you value in friendship, what does friendship mean to you? Friendship means a relationship that you continue to earn. I think there's a this idea of this of people who bitch about their friends or are bored by their friends, whatever, they haven't put in the effort to make real connections with people who are fulfilling for them. I think that time life is too short. So I feel like I want to continue to earn the friendships that I have. I feel like family, they're your family. They're not going anywhere. They're the one place they have to take you, right? But I feel like friendship means that you continue to earn it. You don't just sit in it and expect it to be there. You have to continue to give to it. I think I think they're girlfriends that don't ask you where this is going. I think they offer me everything that I'd get out of a partner. Yeah, but without the bullshit. Oh, uh, it doesn't have to turn into something a friendship is what it is well, yeah because, because there's no where's this going it, it's, you can maintain it easier um, yeah, yeah that's why they last longer this is why I'm friends with the, most of my exes and some of them very good friends um, because the only thing that was wrong was the relationship the friendship's great mm-hmm. like my last two exes are like, you're the best roommate in the world. You're the best friend, but I don't want to date you. And it's cool because I've got to that stage in my life where I'm just not that bothered anymore. You know, I friends. Yeah. Friends are everything I like about relationships without the stuff yes, I don't like. Yes. A hundred percent. That's right. Mm. You don't have sex to muddy up the waters. Sex will ruin a good friendship. Or direction. Yeah. Sexual direction, take that out, I'm happy. (laughs) Question 21. What roles do love and affection play in your life? Not a lot. Um, Love and affection. I don't know. Um, I don't say that. I don't say the word love very often. To my dog. I've probably said it to that dog more than to any other living thing. Mm-hmm. In combination. It's easier to say it's something that doesn't talk back, I think. You can, you can walk in the house and, tell you, and say, hey, how are you? I love you. To a dog. Easy. Because you know, the dog doesn't know you're just talking. Like, I, I don't know. Well, there's no risk either. Yeah. Like... I don't think I've ever said it to my mother as an adult. I mean, she knows I care about her and stuff, but I don't say it. I feel uncomfortable talking like that to family. Um, 
doesn't mean I don't have feelings towards her. I just don't feel it necessary to voice it in that way. Uh, to a dog, yeah. Uh, what? Re- tell, tell me the question. Says, again, what so uh, what roles point. do love and affection play in your life? So it's not whether you talk about yeah, it, but how yeah. important is it to you? Yeah, but maybe that's the answer. I don't really think about love that often. Um, um, affection. I can, I'm quite an affectionate person to the people I allow to be close to me. Um, how do you how do you do you define affection? I don't know. Um, hugs, probably. Hugs, yeah, physical, <laughs> I, I, right? Don't, don't yeah. you think of it as a physical thing? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't read much into affection like that. Like, I, I can be quite touchy feely, but I don't. I, I'm not doing it. I'm not a creep or anything. Right, you're not using it as a manipulative tool. I touched your arm when I asked you your name, and here when we first walked in, I thought I don't know whether I should have done that. But that's not how I am. I I'll often go, oh, how are you? Mm-hmm. And I'll do those sorts of things. Like my ex, my most current ex, who uh, lives in New York, um, I'll often try and give her a hug when we say goodbye, having been out to wherever. She's a comic. Uh, so if we've been on the same show or something, I'll say, hey, see you later. And go away. She's more uncomfortable with that. Oh, but really? I think that's because she thinks, oh, we used to date. Whereas I'm not thinking, oh, I want to date again. Like, so saying, why do you do it, though? Because I don't it must know, I just role. feel like that it. when you know someone quite well, that it's almost polite to say, hey, you know, why does it have to be clinical? Yeah. But I don't think, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything to me, but this is why I'll do it. Right. Whereas to some people, I think it means too much, which is why they feel uncomfortable yeah, with contact. Again, these questions are, there's a problem with the question, because it's like, what role... It's hard for me to be like, well, love infection, no role at all. It absolutely matters. And yet there's a self-conscious part of me that says, if I talk about how important love and affection is to me, it sounds soft. It sounds like meh. But the truth is, I love that. I mean, I feel like friendships, any relationships, like you're saying, not just dating, not someone you're trying to you know, get very serious with. Friendships have flirting in them too you're writing little funny jokes back and forth. you're staying engaged i mean that's all flirting is right staying engaged and i i like that i when i feel the need because i spend a lot of time alone and i enjoy it i need several hours of alone time for every one hour and with another person i need a ton and so when i when i crave it and i'm ready to be around people i want to be with them and 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 hug them and and hold their arm you know and like t- like walking down the street with an old friend of mine on friday and i loved having my arm through his arm i just wanted to be close to him I tried to store up. I'm like a camel. Try to drink up as much affection as I can so then I can go away and be alone. And so I think I need that, but I don't need it all the time. Like, I cannot understand. You know, you guys are, the hosts of our show here are married, right? And they spend a lot of time together in a small space. I can't imagine. (laughs) I cannot imagine getting into bed with the same person every night for like decades. I want to, I can't picture it. I want to spend time with people, but I I like my own bed. I like being in it and I don't need it around me all the time yeah my ex and i when we'd stay in hotels we'd we'd book twin rooms to have separate beds in it's a hotel the, yeah it's the best thing twin in the world beds or twin beds rooms. twin beds why because it's awesome you don't need to sleep in the same bed that's just that's a twin box. is really tiny though I, well you're cares? just saying separate who, beds yeah who cares about the size of the bed i sleep in anything but like it's what i mean is not sharing that bed with somebody it's i don't think that this goes back to that um, whatever I don't know what I'm trying to say but I'm just saying yeah 
You don't need to sleep in the same bed, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, the apartment it dictates that. Um, the the dog prefers that we're in the same bed with her, so. And she'll lie in the middle of you, so she's touching both of you because she's a pack animal. Yeah. Right. right. She knows if either one of you is left. This podcast not about us. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've just made it about you. <laughs> My question. Okay. Question 22 is for the hosts of the show. No. <laughs> Question 22. Uh, alternate sharing something you consider... A, the, I'm going to... St- let me read this question through in my head. Um, am I dyslexic? I don't know if I am. Alternate sharing, alternate sharing something you consider a positive characteristic of your partner. Share a total of three items. I don't even... Say three things you like about Read me. Read that question. That's all that means. Alternate sharing something you consider a positive characteristic of your partner. Share a total of three items. So I'm going to come up with three things that are positive about you, and you're going to come up with three Guess. observations just about just one me. too many words in that question for me to get my head around it. <laughs> you don't need to edit it, but like, because other people are normal, I've just made a problem with it. Why don't I start? Since I get it, yeah, and then sure. you just copy it. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Three positive characteristics about you, Will. One is that you're your own man. You make no apologies for who you are, what you do, and what you've chosen. You're glad with what you've chosen. You don't try to change anything, and you own the life that you have. You have no regrets. You're not a yearning, uh, desperate soul. Okay. You're satisfied, right? There's one. Two is that you're ambitious and productive and you don't waste time and it seems like you understand you have limited time and resources and you're really working hard to make your own career dreams happen you don't strike me as um lazy in any way where you're like maybe you're like really working hard and three i have to say it is very sweet that you're so close to your mom i love that she keeps coming up i feel very close to my mom too but especially since you had such a difficult uh, childhood or she had a difficult childhood with you and I love that you're still there, especially since you're very careful about who you spend time with. That's why she comes up, though. It's, it's because of the amount of people in my life. It's got nothing to do with her being that special. <laughs> it's like, it's A lot of people the squeeze their moms out, though. It's her or the dog. Do. Her or the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the dog wins. No. Uh, um, that was three, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so three. Th- oh, God, I hate doing these things. Um, say something you can say. I like this rephrase question. Uh <clears throat> Three things. Um, I like that you like you like yourself. You're saying you like you need several hours of your own time to be able to spend time with other people. I like people uh, like that, and it seems like you're you're happy with yourself. You're happy with your own company. I think that's a good trait because a lot of people are, hate themselves. Mm-hmm. It seems like you've. Whether that started out from the minute you were born or whether you've got there, you've learned to love yourself, and I think that's important for someone to have. So that's a good thing. Um, I know there are things you've put on the back burner, like your book and stuff, but it seems like that's because you're a very focused person. You're very, you know, it's on the back burner. It's not like you're unaware of the things you put to one side to concentrate on other things. So you're good at. How do I phrase that? You're you're focused. You're just a focused person. You know what you want and what you need to achieve and what order. And I, I think I like that about you because that, that's what I like about me. <laughs> it's all about me. Um, and 
Well, you have time for other people despite that, the, the fact you like your own space. Certain people. I don't know. I don't know you well enough to know how many people are in your life right now. But like you've just said, you've got a really old friend in the city that you you walk arm in arm with the other night, and like you you make time for people. Uh, um, however many people are in your life, or however few, I think it's a good trait that you make time for, for whoever that they are. So, is that three? Have I done three? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the ones you said about me were way better though. No, I think you said wonderful things. I love hearing it. Question 23. So funny, by now I already know a lot about you. I could answer this for you. How close and warm is your family? Do you feel your childhood was happier than most other people's? I think think my childhood was quite free to be who I wanted to be. I I never had pressure to become anything. Um, I didn't have to get a degree I didn't have to follow a certain trade I didn't have to my mother was everything as the family unit because we were not close to our grandparents really Uh, our extended families, uncles, aunties never really came into the picture Uh, and so our mother was everything and I'm one of three children Um, I'm I'm obviously close to my siblings as a kid. I am not as an adult. I don't think I've spoken to my brother, not because we've fallen out or anything, but I have not spoken to my brother for years. Um, I've not spoken to my sister for a while. Um, I'm not the same as them. But you don't know that as a kid, because you're just kids. Mm -hmm. As an adult, I'm not that bothered. Um, But I I had a happy childhood. because I, I wasn't comparing it to anyone else's. You just live your childhood. Like, and my mother was great. There was no expectation. I think that was the most important thing to me. I, again, I, I just go off and off and I forget even what the original question was. No, you nailed it. Um, my family's also very... Um, sorry. My family is very close and warm. It doesn't mean there aren't tensions and things that we say about the others when the others aren't in the room. That's just natural for any family. I have two younger sisters. Both parents are living. They are divorced, but friends. Um, And we can all celebrate things together and be together. And I'm very grateful for that. I do feel that my childhood was happier than most. Again, my mother put such effort to make sure, you know, like at Christmas, you don't, one person doesn't just get one gift. There's three of everything. Everyone gets the same gifts. No one feels someone got more. I mean, it was, you know, it was very purposeful to make sure that the kinds of things that could create tension among three girls, especially when they're preteen and teenage years, like uh, that kind of stuff, they took great pains to handle that. And we were in a position where my dad was able to make sure we could have the same things. And so I think that they invested very carefully in our education and vacations together. We were lucky to be able to do that. And that fostered something really special. I feel very tight with my sisters, even though there's things we complain about with each other all the time. But I do think that has a lot to do with how confident I am in myself. It took me a while to get there, but I think a solid foundation in raising makes a difference. Question 24, two thirds in. How do you feel about your relationship with your mother? (laughs) 
how do I feel about my relationship? She is, as when I hear you talking about your mother, I feel the same way. She, she is like my person. No, I have not been married. I haven't had one significant relationship for like decades or anything like that. No. And so who's the person who's the constant, who knows everything, who's always on your side? It's my mother. And so even more so, both my sisters are married. They have children, you know, families of their own. Uh, I am the one child who did not choose to be married, did not choose to have kids. Also something I'm grateful for because... Um, and if I don't get to do something, I have no one to blame but myself, you know. But my mother is sort of, I've always felt like I was the favorite because I'm the most like her. And so I feel very close with her. But like anyone, when you're around your mother too much, it makes you crazy. Not because of any flaw of hers, but sometimes we're too, there's no one in the world that thinks the same as me and my mom. And sometimes it's too much to handle in the room. And so I can't spend like long, long periods of time because I'll find I get snappy to her and I hurt her. And I hate when I do that, but I know that I do it. And it's because I love her so much. And when she starts to, you know, act old or like, Oh, I don't even know. I can't find my glasses. I'm like, stop it. Stop being old woman. You're not an old woman. Like I get so impatient. I won't let her age. She is forbidden to die. That kind of thing. My mother's actually told me I'm the favourite in, oh, really? in, in front of my brother and sister. What? That isn't right. No wonder they don't talk to you. They, they're really cool with it. Cause they, it was did always, they talk to her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they're, they're cool with it because they know it. Because it's always been obvious since my late teens, since I got over the hump of being a teenager. Um, and I think it's very similar to what you just said about you and your mother is I... I we're not similar, but I think my mother would have been like me, given different opportunities. Mm-hmm. She had my brother at quite a young age. Uh, well, not for nowadays, but for then. It was young. She was a teenager still. Um, and so I think I lived the life now, maybe not comedically, but the freedom of what I've done, travelling and things like that. I think that's the life she would have liked, and I think that's why... Mm-hmm. We yeah, she feels that affinity with me. Um, I feel the same way. You know, I said to my mom once, "Do you feel bad for me that I didn't marry and have kids? Like, do you worry about me that I haven't done that?" And she said, "Not on your life. Are you kidding?" She's like, "Yours is the life I want next." And I thought that was such a. Uh, not a lot of women get support from their mothers for doing something that's not conventional. You know, the mother's always wishing that we get married. And my mother's like, you're doing what's right for you. And I applaud it. And if I could do it, I would do it too. So, same. Yeah, I think my mother did want me. I think she wanted us all to have kids and stuff. Yeah, what mother doesn't, right? No, it was was never, you've got to. When are you meeting someone? There was never any of that. Like I say, there was never any judgment or this is the direction you need to have. But I know she would have quite liked it. But I think she's happy that we're happy with our choices and that's mm-hmm. all that really matters. Yep. And I'm happy with her because that's the way she is, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I, I have that ability to cut off people close to me clinically and I, I wouldn't have had any relationship with her if she had been anyone other than who she is. Question 25. Make three true we statements. For example, we are both in this room feeling X. <coughs> so... We statements that are like shared experiences is to create that we've talked about our past. I'm assuming this question is to show us having a shared experience. So what are three we statements? We are, 
both sitting in this room feeling a little weird that we're trotting out old stories to each other when we don't know each other at all. We're both feeling interesting uh, affinity and connection around certain things when we on the surface have maybe zero in common. But as we're talking about it, we realize we have certain things are in common that we would never know on the surface. And we are both probably going to go home and think a little bit about what happened today, I imagine, just because it's such an out of the ordinary and not real thing. It's going to take me a while to process why I was here, what I was doing, because it's not normal, Um, especially, I imagine, for you, because you don't talk to a lot of people. You don't go out and talk to people you don't know. You've made it very clear you don't like to even go out and have dinner with people you don't know. I don't know how anyone got you in this room to be honest. Uh, <laughs> but I'm glad you did, but I imagine no, it was really weird. I always talk to people I don't know, just in groups. But I've done gigs smaller than this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's me again. Uh, question 26. Uh, complete this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share. I'm looking at you waiting for you to finish it. I wish I had someone with whom I could share. It would be fun to have someone to share comedy with because um, I tried that for a little while. I, I dated a comic. It's probably a bad idea, you know. And we seem to have a connection, but then it just kind of disappeared and I have no idea why. But for a while, when I was seeing that person, it was really fun to, it was a thing to go do together and it was it was fun to study and d- discuss the kind of our craft together. Like that was really fun. But whatever, that didn't really work. But I think it'd be fun to share. I would like to have someone with whom I could share writing because I feel like when I have that going, when I'm writing and talking about the writing or sharing the writing, it feels alive to me. So I feel like what I'm really looking for is someone I can share a bit of a creative process with because I feel kinship with that. I don't just want someone I can like go out to dinner with or like lay in bed and watch Netflix. You can pretty much do that with anyone, including a cat. Um, but someone who could mm-hmm. share in the excitement and slight discomfort around the process of creating things you love is a real value. It's very hard to find. That's, that's a good answer. I studied. <laughs> no, I really just came up with that now, I swear. There's more radio silence now because I didn't study the questions. Um, I wish I had someone with whom I could share what. <sighs> I, I'm gonna have to like start by reacting to your answer. Really, is I definitely get what you're saying, um, but I'm totally the opposite. I do not like sharing comedy. I do not like writing with other people. I don't. There's nothing f- comedically for f- for me. Comedy is not about community. Like this is it's, my comedy is just all about me, and I'm not interested in anyone else's feedback on that other than an audience laughing um, or not as the case may be. Um, I totally get you. It's just not who I am. Um, um, and I think I'm in the minority amongst really? comedians. I think a lot of comedians would... You, you look at, you know, people write together all the time. I, I just never... I don't like that. Um, I wish I... But who? what would I want to share with somebody? I don't... I honestly don't know. Um, 
Stuck pizza? again. Maybe pizza, sushi. Maybe it's not. No, because so, there's uh, nothing better. Ambitious. When I, no, because when I eat, I, I, I quite honestly just want to put something on my laptop, I, some show, and just watch something on my own and eat. I'm not, I wish I had someone. I wish I had someone with whom I could share my bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would make it a lot. That's about it. I'm. Uh, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Question 27. If you were to become a close friend with your partner, please share what would be important for him or her to know. Please say that again. If we were to become friends, what's something you'd want me to know about you? Okay. Um, I think you pretty much know it all already at this stage. I do too. Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, you just have to know that my brutality, like I'm pretty brutal with, the way I talk sometimes and it's never really intended personal if you get what I mean like I can be pretty close to the bone when I talk to people sometimes but I don't mean it to hurt anyone but I will always do it <laughs> it's like it's just, it's just yeah yeah god you know I I'm actually stumped on this one What's important for you to know? Even though I feel like that's a little like, listen, here's something you should know about me. I'm very sensitive. Uh-huh. Um, you should know if we go for coffee and it lasts one hour, I need to then leave for three hours. <laughs> You'll know that if I've seen you in the past 72 hours, I need 86 more. Um, no, no, no. I think I would, if there was like a label warning, I think this is saying like, what's the label? What's the warning label about being friends with this person? It's that I move really fast. I think fast. I also say things quickly. And when, when people get a little taken aback, I go, oh, no, they need special handling. They should just know. I say things quickly. I don't always mean it. I don't mean it to be hurtful. But I move fast. And sometimes it takes a while for me to get back, right back to someone in the way that they want. But I don't structure my life around uh, what other people need from me anymore. Mm-hmm. I do it by, like, here's what I need to do. And I've started to, I swear, ever since I read the book Essentialism, which is a fantastic book, and it's like, hey, say no to everything except the one thing you really want to do. And so I've had to say no. Like when people say, oh, do you want to hang out and watch a movie? And I'm like, sounds fun, but I'd actually rather do something else. That's how I felt when I had a boyfriend for a while. I was like, I know we're, this is good. We're spending time together. But like, oh, I would fantasize. Like I wouldn't fantasize about another guy. I'd be like fantasizing about having the whole night to myself. And that's how I know. I was like, I'm not meant to be around someone all the time. And so I'd want someone to know I still love you and I care about you even if I can't see you this weekend. That, that's not what I'm saying to you, but that's what I say to people who are saying, why can't we hang out? I thought of a better one. But Go ahead. I, I, we'll edit it in. I don't like unsolicited advice. That's probably a better one than that's put up one. with me. That's a good one. Especially comedically. Oh. Some of the worst arguments in my life have been when I've come off stage and someone that is a f- relatively friendly with me would say, what about this? And I'm just like, go f- yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like, if, if it's, if it's going to change what I'm doing that much, I'll come to it myself. I left a club <laughs> and the bouncer tried to tell me what to do about my joke. And I was like... What? Strangers I can cope with. Friends, oh, I'm, okay. I'm going to give you both barrels. Because I'm just like, shut the... F-, you know what I mean? I'm pretty... I hate that. question 28 tell your partner what you like about them be very honest this time because you haven't been so far (laughs) Uh, be very honest this time saying things you might not say to someone you just met well knowing you you say whatever you want so 
you'll have no problem with this one. Mm. Is that your answer? No, I'm telling you what I think you're going to say. <laughs> it's you first. Oh. Oh, crap. I need more time now. Just kidding. Do you want me to repeat the question? No, it's just three things. It's just one thing I, that I like about you. No, I, I, I think it doesn't. Oh, yeah, it is, it is like. You even get it. I've got the card in front of me. And, <laughs> and you, you, God, I'm useless today. I like that even though you're kind of like a, you know, sharp edge, like, listen, I don't have a lot of friends. I don't have a lot of time. I'm not interested in your advice. I'm not interested in hearing about anything. I'd rather sit alone, which I, you know, in my heart, I totally connect with. I also like that you are essentially this good-hearted, affectionate person on in the inside, that you're not trying to prove to the world that you're this way. You're just saying this is kind of what I'm like. Because I feel like there's a reason the ex-girlfriends still are find themselves in your life. If you were a real complete douchebag, they would not. And so to me, the test is not always, does the girlfriend like the guy, but do the ex-girlfriends like the guy? And you know, one of the biggest tributes to who you are as a person are those two women. I don't think they like me. <laughs> I just they think must. it's easier to like me than hate me. It's easy to ignore know, an ex-boyfriend. Uh, they obviously like you. But um, The question is, do they like each other? <laughs> Not, I, I think this comes with age. What you just said about me has come with age. Um, I, and I, think, I don't know how old you are, nor do I need to ask as such, but um, I, yeah, I, I just like that you know who you are in relation to other people. Like, you know, you talked about the boyfriend and you used to fantasize about not another guy, but just nobody yes. and um and that's i can identify with that but at the same time i just like people that know who they are even if that's not what you want to hear sometimes like that boyfriend probably didn't want to know that that you prefer him. him yeah well exactly right um but yeah i, I I like people that know who they are, warts and all, and they're not afraid to talk about, this is who I am. Um, I just hope that that is who you are, if you get what I mean. And it's not just podcast chat. Because some people, when they're in a form like this, like on a stage doing stand-up, because I'm always about real. Like, it's, like, I don't like to say jokes on stage unless they're real. And I think sometimes when people are put in a scenario like this, they might just give the answer they wish they had. Yeah, but we're sitting here well, a long time. But you know what I mean? This like is not some a people set. put on this put on this public persona of who they think they are and this is who I am. Yeah. And I get the impression from you that what you're saying is real and I'm hope I'm I hope I'm right, but that's and if I am, that's 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 Yeah, no, the thing it's hundred like. percent. I think that it's hard to fake that authenticity. It's hard to fake it and you'd feel a kind of there'd be a cognitive dissonance here, I'd be a little bit on edge. I'm sitting here long enough that if I were defensive of who I am, you'd pick up on it, but no, I come at it honestly. This is it. I'm not. I'm not going to be any different. This is who I am. Better like it, you know. <laughs> Question twenty nine. Share with your partner an embarrassing moment in your life. Ooh, this should be good. I don't know. I've done plenty of things that should be seen as embarrassing, but I don't think I've been embarrassed by them. You know, like I've done. 
I've done drag and like I've done it in show form and everything. That should be embarrassing, but no, it's not. It wasn't. You did it on purpose. Usually, um, embarrassing I've, is when something catches you off I've guard. I've done. I don't, know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I've been lucky. I'm, I don't think I've ever been caught doing anything terrible. Oh, I remember. I remember once when I was. Uh, was I embarrassed? No, this is just a funny thing. I just. I remember once when I was a. Uh, I think I'd moved back into my family home for a brief time after a girlfriend and I'd, I'd been seeing somebody else very briefly and this girl had come round to see me at my mother's house and we'd gone to bed at my mother's house and I can't even remember this girl's name uh, but my <laughs> such revealing about how successful I was when I had a full head of hair uh, <laughs> but, but I remember my mother come up and knocked on the bedroom door and then just let herself in as she did uh, oh this girl had dipped under the sheets but the hair was still hanging out oh no uh, I, remember, she, I can't remember her name so I'll just use her name I remember just how embarrassed this girl was and my mother was embarrassed for herself as well um, you were embarrassed not really but I think it's just a fun thing to tell uh, I, just, I just remember she walked in and she goes where's Helen uh, I turn around and goes, oh, she she left ages ago. And I look down, I look down at this massive blonde hair, and I go, she left her wig. <laughs> That's something. That, no, it wasn't overly embarrassing to me. It was, I remember those the two girls were mortified, my mother and her. Um, but no, I, I honestly don't remember. I've gone on way too long. I can't. I'm crap at this, aren't I? Okay, I thought of one. There's a coffee shop near my house that I really like, and they always have a new elixir that they make up like every week or every couple of weeks is like a new one. They gave it this creative name. And I went in and there was a guy working there at the counter who was happened to be Asian. Okay. Whatever. And I'm standing there and I'm looking at the names and I, <laughs> sometimes the people who work there make up the drinks, but I looked up and I go, Oh, Tokyo fog. Did you make that up? And I realized it was like, oh my God, like if it had been just a white guy, I would have said the same thing. But because it was like, oh, it's called Tokyo Fog. You're Asian. You must have made it. Like that's how it came across. And so then I realized when I had said that, I was like, that was so blatantly racist. And then I feel the need to, which I didn't say, but when anything comes up with Asian stuff, I'm always like, oh, but, but I'm half Asian because I want them to know, like, I can say that stuff because my dad's Asian. But no, I didn't. I said, you know, because don't you make up all the drinks? Like, I just started backpedaling. I was like, thank you, have a latte. See you later. Like, <laughs> I just was like, yeah, I was just kind of accidentally racist. That was embarrassing. Your dad's Asian? Yes, my dad's Filipino. Because you, you know to a Brit, an Asian is an Indian. Oh. Not a Native American uh, in that slur way. I mean, Indian as in from India. Right, right. Because to a Brit... Yeah, if you if someone's Asian, it's from that specific That's country. Oh. Everyone else is named after their countries. So oh. it's like he's Chinese, he's Korean, he's Asian. That oh, Asian is Indian. Indian. I didn't know that. Interesting. Mm. So I always have to question that. Sorry. So, yeah. so I know. Um, what did the bartender say after? Or not the bartender, the barista say? Oh, he just, he was like, I mean, I just was reeling. My ears were ringing. I was like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. He was like, yeah, I. No, I don't think... I think he did not make up the drink just because he was Asian and it was called Tokyo Fog. That's the thing for me. I get embarrassed for other people. That's embarrassing to me. I'm not embarrassed personally, but I get embarrassed because I know they're embarrassed. Yeah. That happens to me. I remember... <laughs> I won't name names here, but I remember I met up with somebody that books some international shows and I invited a friend of mine along um, who I thought might be able to get some gigs off this person. And, that, and then my friend 
turned up drunk and fell over the minute they were in the bar in front of this person that they wanted to impress. And I was mortified for them. Mm-hmm. I was embarrassed for that person. Like, I think I get that more than I ever get embarrassed for myself. Because mm-hmm. I've had things like that happen with the, oh, you're such and such. No, no, that's the other Chinese guy. I was like, oh, right, okay. Right, right, right. right. It's like accidental racism. But then I'll always ask the question. If that happened to me, I'd be like, but do you think we all look the same? Because <laughs> most people, most black guys I know would turn around and quite honestly say, yeah, I've confused white guys. <laughs> You're up. Question 30. Uh, when did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Well, most recent was a not even a little teary. It was bad. I play on a touch football team uh, in the spring and the fall. And, you know, it's co-ed. I mean, it's it's physical, but I've never been hurt before. And this past season, which is a few months ago, I smacked my face into my friend's head so hard. It almost knocked me out. I was just like, <gasps> and I sat down and I just saw stars for a minute. And I looked up. And as I looked up at my friends who were gathering around me, I felt the warm you know, blood dripping out of my nose. And I just was like, like panicked, like a little kid when they fall down and cry. I wasn't even like, yeah, it hurt. I was like kind of heaving and hysterical. And I was like, I'm a grown person. Like this should be fine. Guys get a bloody nose. I don't do anything. No big deal. But I was so afraid I had really effed up my face. And I was like, what happened? What happened? Do I need to call a plastic surgeon? My friends are like, no, you'll be fine. Like, did I break it? Did I break my nose? Like I went my whole life without breaking my nose. And now I'm going to break my nose during football. Like, what am I doing? Uh, and I had all the equipment. I had cleats. I had a mouth guard. I had everything, but there's nothing for the nose. And so I cried and the whole game stopped you know, when I sat there and sobbed. And I have to tell you, when I look at that now, it was, that was also could call an embarrassing moment, but it felt so good to just, just let it just rip, like crying, sobbing, it hurts, someone take care of me. And they did. Like I reverted to a little baby status for a few minutes and then I was fine and recovered and my face is fine. <laughs> but it was terrifying. Is it? <laughs> I hope so. No, I'm I look at it very closely. Every day. Um, it's fine. I don't think I, I don't think since I was a child with an injury, like proper kid, kid, young, younger, have I actually burst out crying hugely. I mean, I've welled up a few times where the odd tear. Um, I think the last time would have been quite recently. Um, it, it, yeah, um, after I, I remember I, I've only done TV once in America, and it was the Apollo show I talked about earlier. And I remember, because it was on Fox, and so it was seen by quite a lot of people, I started getting recognised the next day in the street. Um, and I remember it was like the third time in an hour in the morning I, I was in Flatbush, and a lady just stopped her car in the middle of the road. I opened the window and goes, I saw you on the Apollo last night. You're awesome. And she was the third that day, and it just started to hit home that people recognised me in the street. And this doesn't... It's only because it was just gone out. It's not like it's, it lasted long, but... Um, I remember I just had a moment where I was just like, yeah, I welled up a little bit because I was just... It wasn't It wasn't for anything other than it, that recognition in the street by a complete stranger makes you just for a moment remember how many days, months and years you've put yourself through unnecessary suffering to try and achieve that goal. And it just all comes and hits you in one thing. And yeah, that was probably the last time. But that, that was only in December, you know, so um, it wasn't too long ago. 
Question 31. Tell your partner something that you like about them already, something you haven't mentioned before. I quite like the your the luck you've cultivated for yourself. Like oh, really? this isn't something you probably you probably didn't wake up when you were 17 and start dressing. I think you 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 got cool glasses, you got a cool dress sense. I quite like that. Oh, like I remember when, when I walked in I was like, "Yeah, she looks pretty smart. That's pretty cool." There you go. I got real personal there. Your nose is shit. <laughs> 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 smart is a word that comes up. I appreciate you saying that. It's like, it's. I guess it's the glasses, but people just assume I'm smart. And, you know, I worked really hard to make sure I was smart. And still my fear is that maybe I don't know enough or maybe I don't know everything I need to know. And so if I fooled you, terrific. Mm-hmm. What do I like about you? If that you're I have thick, I'd love it. <laughs> but you've already mentioned you, you went through college. so Yeah. Um, I said you're a softie on the inside. You've got a sharp wit. You're very selective about who you spend time with. You're productive, keep, keep ambitious. You are. I wish that we could take some of whatever is in you, the, the DNA of your mindset, this kind of thing that you've cultivated it's kind of curmudgeonly. Like, I don't care. I'd rather just, I don't do my own thing. I wish I could take a molecule of that and, and actually give it to every woman I know. Because too many women are so worried about, ah, I should do this. And, and I feel like the antidote to that endless need to please, that endless feel that they're not good enough, would be solved with a little bit of who you are. Like, there's a lot to learn from someone like you. Um, because you're not trying to pretend to please everyone. Sure, you'd love to be famous, but you're not going to, like, kiss everyone's ass to do it. You know, and I... And it bothers me because I really feel strongly about advocating for women. Obviously, that's kind of my world. Um, and too many of them are just, eh, they're cowed by something. And you're not cowed by shit. And I love that. And I wish there was a way we could bottle that and I could sell it. And I would share the profits because <laughs> because I because I'm the middleman. I came up with it because I want some of that ballsiness. I Interesting you used you. the phrase middleman. <laughs> yes. Advocates for women and all. <laughs> true. Middle person. It's Isn't that true. what we're supposed to say? <laughs> yeah, right. No, what I like that about you, and I think, oh, some people might go, well, he's difficult, but you know what? I don't think life is easier for people who aren't difficult. I'll take that. And what I like about you My is nose obviously, is good, yeah? yeah, your nose is fine. <laughs> it's been broken too. Oh, that's what happened. In a fight. <laughs> in a fight. Yeah. Oh. Not one I was involved in. It was very passive. It just got hit. <laughs> Someone tried to steal my car when I was younger. Knocked my friend out with a brick. Oh, my God. And then swung and punched me. I've got a little black line on my nose as oh well where I had a ring on and it kind of gave me a bit I of a wouldn't want to see your friend who got hit with a brick. He's fine now. Oh. He, need, he needed damaging. He looked a bit like Bon Jovi as a teenager. He was very, <laughs> he was very popular with, with women. And he probably still is. I don't know. I've not spoken to him for ages. But. Well, there's someone who wanted you to get, yeah. who that was something to that, get hit with a break. That was something that was unnecessary to the podcast. But um, <laughs> my question. Uh, question 32. What, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? The one rule 
I feel like in comedy, there's only one rule, and the rule is you don't steal other people's stuff. I feel like that's the only real sacred thing. And everything else we should be able to laugh about. We should be able to joke about. But we all have our little bit of like Achilles heel. And I cannot get down with rape jokes. I just, I can't. The cognitive dissonance of like maybe at some point when I was younger, I might have laughed along nervously. But I cannot espouse or embrace the okayness with normalizing um, manipulation and the domination of women in a way that makes them seem lesser. So I cannot get down with that. I can't joke about it. I think anything that can be joked about, including rape, um, and I think it should. Um, Is there a benefit, you think? I just think that the further down that type of road you go in terms of subject matter, the funnier it needs to be. Um, hmm. So you can listen to a rape joke from an open mic and whatever, you're at an open mic, but basically someone that's newer doing it is probably going to go for more the shock value on the subject right. rather than anything else. But then you listen to, and for want of a better person to quote, I mean, not this guy's a bad person, but um, just in my mind that is the other lines that Louis C.K. did about Ray. He says, um, he said something like, um, he says, I don't know about rape, but how else are you going to have sex with someone if they don't want you to? You know, it's just a stupid, yeah, no, it's funny. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing it, but you know, I, that's I not think, the same. I guess is what I'm saying is well, I'm the not, cheap shot, the the immature, yeah. naive, glancing blow at rape. You've seen them horrible. Yeah, yeah, obviously, that, and that and, and other subjects too. Um, You're right. They have to be better jokes. But yeah, I think I basically think anything's on the table as long as the quality's there. Um, but it's interesting you talk about joke theft because I actually created a, a show that's been selling out all over the world um, that's based purely on joke theft. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Called Joke Thieves. Jokethieves.com, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Question 33. If you died today without talking to anyone, what would you regret not having told someone? And if so, why haven't you told them yet? No, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure there is anything. I'm, this is a bad answer to a question again, but... Um, I pretty much speak my mind. Um, sure, there'd be little things. I'd be like, "Oh, I wish I could call my mother and say bye," or, yeah. or "I wish I could call I'm my my friend and say yeah. bye." But I don't think there's anything I've not. I, th I don't think there is anything that means anything to me that remains unsaid. Comedy does that, I think. To me, mm -hmm. like it makes me like, honest, more honest in my life. It makes me aware of my interactions with people a lot more. I. I I think it makes me, not necessarily a better person, but it makes me happy with who I am because I analyse everything about myself all the time to write material, to perform it and to develop it. And so, yeah, it, no, th there isn't anything that I haven't said. There's things I'd love to say, but it's not stuff <laughs> that hasn't been said. I know, I don't have an answer for this either because there's... I feel like anyone who I love and care about, they know that. There's no mystery. There's no one I'm in love with that I never said. I'd be like, just don't raise any money in my name. Don't do any of that bullshit. <laughs> start up a charity. Just make me die twice as quickly as possible. <laughs> you know the, the old phrase, you die twice. The first time you physically die and the second time you die is when the last person mentions your name. Yeah, yeah. Make that gap between the two as quick as possible. Mm. <laughs> Get me gone. Throw me in the hole. I guess there's things I'd want to know, like 
I guess there are some mysteries of especially romantic relationships that ended and you don't know why or what happened. I guess I would mm-hmm. want to know that. But there's nothing that anyone would be like, but she didn't tell me. I don't have an answer for it either. Is that me again? Mm-hmm. Question 34. Your house catches fire. After saving your loved ones and pets, um, I don't know why you do it in that order, uh, you have time to grab one last thing. What is it and why? Oh, the house on fire question. <laughs> when I think about what's in my, I live in a one studio, a one room studio, right, apartment, and there literally isn't anything there I couldn't replace. Even if it was like, well, my laptop, obviously. Then I'm like, nah, I could use a new laptop. And so if it burns up, I get a new one. And everything on that laptop has been, is in the cloud. Like there's nothing you can't replace or you can't access that isn't somewhere else. The only thing that is truly analog are my journals. And I kept a lot of journals as a kid and as a, even into college and after. And I don't know that I can make a mad dash and pick up this box and carry it, but I have a box of stuff, letters and journals, and I think that's the only thing that would have to be saved. Yeah. I think if I answered this question without thinking it through, I would probably say laptop um, yeah, as right. well. But it's, I, I don't have anything, everything on the cloud. I don't use cloud computing, but um, I could live without everything that's on there. You I would have to recreate all, writing, all of your stuff. Oh, I've been everything anyway. What? I, once it's been a show, I delete it all. You don't have oh, hundreds of pages of stuff you wouldn't want to lose. No. Uh, everything I own fits in an, into a carry-on case that can go on a plane. Like I don't know what, just a standard overhead bin case. Literally everything I own in the world can fit in one of those now. I live really lightly. I have oh, a thing like that. if I buy a T-shirt, I take one to a charity shop. Really? That's my wow. On myself, like because I, I buy stuff all the You're time. You're It's always to replace. Yeah, and again, something that comes through comedy. So I earn a lot to lose in a fire. But yeah, if I didn't think about it, it'd be a laptop. But that's purely because of the time it would take me to recreate the things that I was working on right now. Yeah. The stuff from the past, I'd get over pretty quickly. It makes you really think, though, really, because it's like if I'm so obsessed with using and having the things I have and yet not yeah. one of them I'd save, yeah. what the heck am I doing yeah. with it? Nothing's irreplaceable for me. But just to save me effort, it would be the laptop, yeah, if too. anything. Question 35. Of all the people in your family, whose death would you find most disturbing and why? Disturbing as in would hurt me the most. Yeah, it would be upsetting to you. Oh, my mother is, because again, by default, because it's the only one. Of course. Like, I've got a lot of family that have died, like grandparents and stuff, they're all gone, and my father's dead, but I didn't really, I wasn't really close to any of them, and it doesn't bother me. I mean, I knew knew them all, but I've not, I, I am yet to have anyone die that I consider close to me. And so I don't know how that oh. would be. And it's because really, and this is going to sound awful, but I could lose my brother and my sister and stuff, and I don't want them to die or anything, but it, I don't think it would bother me that much. Like, I don't think I'd break down, but for my mother, it would be a big deal. I'm a dog. Mm-hmm. I know that seems trivial, but the dog really matters. Yeah. Dog's your kid, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. It would be my mother. I can't wrap my brain around a world without her in it. And it's it's so upsetting to me, I can't think about it. Like, I can't even... I just have a lot of... I feel like there's so much that is 
me that is connected to her, if you take her out, then I don't even know. I have nothing to check against. There's anymore. no anchor no, point anymore. There's no anchor point for your life. I mean, yeah. I feel like I'd be at loose in the world, and you know, it's not like it's not going to happen unless I go first, which would not be the best, and it would push her right over the edge. I don't even want to think. I think about it like everything's great, but then that time when that happens is going to be a freaking dark time, mm. and I am not not looking forward to that. I don't know. It'd be the string that pulled everything loose. It'd be mm. very difficult. Mm. I think age makes you because I used to think, oh, my home is where I belong, mm-hmm. like the house I grew up in, or my hometown where I grew up and went to school is. It's not. It's not. All those things are attached to a parent, generally. It's actually, that hometown's only a hometown because that's where my mother is, you know? And that, so, yeah, it would undo a lot of things, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. I think we're both on the same wavelength there. Is it me? Is it? Who is 36? It's me. Why this doesn't st- have a number on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, there's a little trick at the end, is there? One she's not planned for. Because <laughs> uh, I thought this was 36 questions. Yeah, Isn't that card. 36? Yes, but then there was your card. Yes. Question 36. Uh, share a personal problem and ask your partner some advice on how he or she might handle it. Personal problem. <clears throat> Do you have one? I can think of something I can share with you to ask you about. Um, well, think of something. You go first, because I don't Are you know. sure? You go first. Okay. Uh, here's something I've been debating, and I've asked this to a lot of people while I've been on stage. I've been debating, because I'm losing my hair, I've been debating whether I've got a good head underneath it, because I'm debating whether to crop my hair. Oh. Like, this is right in the moment now, because... Why so sudden? Why right now? Oh, no, it's not so sudden. It's been happening for quite a few years, uh, the hair loss. Um, reason I need to make a call on it is because I'm scared of being that guy that clings on for a year too long, mm-hmm. right? Because it's getting to that stage now, right? So, By the way, this even though this is very personal in the moment, you cannot hurt me with your opinion. Uh, cause I don't care. I, I just already have want a opinions. Keep going. I don't know whether to just get rid and just crop it or not what do you think i think you would look badass bald you think mm-hmm. i think you could carry the totally shaved down because you've got a little facial hair you've got a well-balanced and symmetrical face mm. and it's a kind of look like you're tall how tall are you uh just shy of six foot i'm just five six I'm foot. Well, you're tall and lean and rangy something. and like that's the kind of guy who can carry that I don't know, I really think you could rock that. And I don't recommend that to everyone because I don't, first of all, think it looks bad right now. Yeah. It's not like you're at the last thread and you're like, what do I do? See, I have to do it in February, March time because then I have to Why? get the shots done for my summer show. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, I can't shave it after the photos. Have, have you ever done, done it? <laughs> have you ever shaved your head? <laughs> not since I was about three or four years old. Oh, so this would be a bold yeah. move. So yeah, I'm looking at your face and I really think um, you could carry it. But that, I think it would take some adjustment. That's been the biggest debate. That's been the most personal thing to me. And I talk about that's the other thing. I'm going to lose a bunch of good jokes uh, about the fear of going bald. <laughs> but I did do but them. They, but I did them on the Apollo show, so they've kind of been burned, anyways. But that was my thing. So you think yes? Yeah, I you're think one you of only it. two people to say yes. Oh, well, you only have three friends, so. <laughs> or I've asked comedy them. rooms and they've all said <laughs> no, no, don't do it, don't do it. My really? ex, that my ex, the comic that lives in the city, she says yes. Well, she said, "Stop bitching about it. Just get grow a pair." <laughs> well, why don't you shave it and then maybe grow back if you don't like it? 
Yeah, I'm not sure about that. That's what she said. I it's think, not like it's gone forever. You can't yeah. make yourself stay bald if you wanted. Do you know how bad the in between stage of growing hair is? Even if you're not a bald guy. <laughs> like, oh. the only thing worse than this would be me trying to grow it back, I think. I think once you've made that call, it's got to just, it's gone. This is like a weird uh, relationship thing. I'm not in a relationship. I don't. It's kind of like giving up sugar. The longer you don't consume of it, the less you really need it. But, of course, I'm still a, a, a human and a sexual being, and so would still like to en- enjoy people's company, but I don't necessarily feel like I need to ha- lock someone to be a boyfriend. There's a guy who is um, a little too young, like most of the men that are, like, I find myself around. They're too young, young, stupid, stupid and young. And he kind of ha- ha- likes me a little bit. And I'm trying to figure out if it would be a bad move to just see this person for fun, for me. Or is it wrong to mislead someone and date them or see them in any way, perhaps be intimate when you know you're never going to be that person's like insignificant other? Then why mislead them in the first place? Well, because maybe sometimes it would be fun to have someone to hang out with, right? But what I mean is... Why not just say that exact thing to them and give them the choice? Stop beating yourself up over it. Just say, hey, I'm not looking for this, but if you just want to hang out a bit... That's so lame. Everyone hates do... that. Does everyone, everyone hate hates that? that. Does everyone... Well, if they hate it, then the answer's no, isn't it? But if that's what you think, then just say it and give that person the chance to... I just wonder at a certain age, is it worth it to pursue these things for fun on their own when they're not, when they're like my family, but they're not going anywhere. And I'm like, I don't know that I need to go anywhere. I'm happy with where I am. You know, if the right connection were to come along, that's great. But in the meantime, I don't feel like I have to live like a nun waiting for this perfect person to come along. It's never happened. You see, I'm quite open along these lines. I think you should just do whatever you think and not worry about consequences of things like that. It's just be honest. Okay. But you're not done yet. There's one more thing. Um, so if you want to read your last card there. This was part of the original experiment. This is part of the experiment and you're going to hate it. Okay. Okay. I don't oh. know if he's going to hate it. We'll find out. I'm, this is how I handle Will, now that I understand how he works. This is how I tell him. Well, I'm, not, I'm not sure 36 questions has led you to know me completely, but give it a go. Okay, maybe I'm, maybe <clears> I'm wrong. <throat> We're going to set a timer for four minutes, and we have to stare each other in the eye for four straight minutes. Throughout the day, most people do not make eye contact, and uh, they found that one of the most intimate things you can do is make eye contact because it doesn't happen often. Okay, and so we just got to stare at each other for four minutes of radio silence. That's going to be the most uncomfortable thing for me. Uh, is the fact you're not going to put that on the air. Uh, so for the people listening, they will be staring at each other, but it'll be reduced in time. There'll be, be music there. <laughs> no, I want them to listen for four whole minutes. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Can we talk while we stare? done that before no will I again (laughs) (laughs) so how do you feel I mean it's such a strange thing isn't it when do you ever do that if you do it on the train someone will kill you (laughs) 
Um, I don't think it's a good thing. But I think that's a relief because you know you have to do it and there's nothing you have to do. You you don't have to perform for me. You don't have to make me laugh. I don't have to make you think a thing. There's something very naked about it that makes it difficult. Yeah. So. It's not natural, nor should it be, to stay at someone that long. It's true. It was part of the original experiment, so we incorporated it. Um, <laughs> so now that you guys are done, what did you think of this? Experiment. What did you think of the questions? I hate the ones. It's like, what would you, what would you want to know about the future? What? And it's like, I don't like to be pushed to state what I want. Even when I when I was a lot younger and I didn't quite know, I had a boyfriend who was like, just what do you want? If you could have anything, what would you want to be? What do you want your job to be? And I knew in my heart what I wanted, but I was like, I don't know. Just don't ask me. I don't want to know. And so I have a hard time saying what I want to happen because it might not happen. I can talk about anything I've done, people I might, may or may not sleep with. Like, that's funny and great, and I can talk about that time when, but what I really want, there's nothing more precious than a thing someone wants that they think they won't get. And so it's a very vulnerable position. That's why I hate doing it. Oh, you you want to be the only one to know if you fail. Is right. that what you get into? Yeah, yeah. I don't want to broadcast a thing and then not do it mm. and then not be able to do it. I'd rather be like, oh, look at a thing I did that I've been planning and you didn't know about. Yeah, as a thank you for doing the show, the podcast, you guys get any airtime you want to plug anything you want. Uh, also, people listening are going to wonder, you know, how I can see these two people. So plug any shows. Yeah, any what's that Twitter. show you're talking about? Or what do you want to, what do you want people to see? I want to look at it. I want to see your stuff. Okay. Just go to willmars.com. That's pretty Will much. Myers. Will Mars. Will uh, Mars. Mars as in the planet. Will Mars. Um, willmars.com and on there there's links to everything I do my Facebook, Twitter, my Instagram I put jokes up every single day on there um, that I throw away into the ether some are crap, some are good that's why I do it um, I do my own podcast, there's links on there um, um, the Joke Thieves show that I do um, that's on there um, also my stand-up videos and things like that are on there pretty much anything to do with me willmars.com, that's it alright, I'll check that out I know you. Now that I know your own life story, now <laughs> yeah. I'm like, let me see what this guy's I'll, like I'll, on stage. I'll you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll stalk you. Uh, the most exciting thing I have coming up right now is that I have spent the past month or so creating and launching an online course called 30 Days to Your First TEDx Talk. Because people always like, how'd you get it? How did you do it? How do you do one? And I've helped people. I've People have hired me to help them create their talks and pitch them, several of whom have gotten TED Talks. I've done two of my own. And since I'm in the business of coaching and consulting people anyway, I thought this is something people really want. So I created the course and I'm launching it. It's been launching. It closes this Friday, February 17th at 6 p.m. sharp is when it closes. So of course, I would love people to check it out if that appeals to you. Uh, then I will help you come up with the idea, narrow the idea, figure out what it is that it takes to apply to and deliver a TED Talk. I will help you with all of that. And you can find out more about that at terrytrespicio.com slash 30 days, or just go to terrytrespicio.com. And there's no one else with my name. So if you try to spell it, Google knows who you're trying to find. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wonderful. Thank you guys for being here. It was a pleasure Thank you. to answer the questions. That's it. If you'd like to be a guest on a future podcast, you can email us directly at 36qpodcast at gmail.com. We have a new website. We have a new website. You can see a picture of us on the website. You can stare around on the website for hours just yeah. 
all of the old episodes are on there. The picture I drew, and it will show you what Binks looks like. A very happy dog. Yeah. In the drawing. (laughs) (laughs) If you've ever listened to our podcast and wondered what those weird sounds were in the background, it was our dog sleeping. It was our dog. And... If you are on iTunes, please leave us a review. We would love it. We would love it. That would be the greatest Valentine's Day gift. <gasps> it leave would us be a review on iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes. We would be your Valentine forever. If you can hear a dog eating food <laughs> that's in awful. the background, that's, that's pigs. Yeah. Happy anyway, Valentine's Happy Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs>